Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and tonight we're going to look at a couple of verses. Uh, We've gone through the, the introduction of the book of Ephesians. And then last week, we, 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 we saw that it's not really a song of praise, but it's a declaration of praise. You know, when you, when you read the Bible, you know, sometimes you think, well, boy, I wish I was a seminary student so I could understand it. You don't need to be. The people in the church at Ephesus were farmers and merchants, and slaves, Some of them may have had a little formal education, but most of them didn't. They were just regular old everyday people. Paul was not writing to a seminary class when he wrote the book of Ephesians. He was writing to folks just like me and you, you know? And so it wasn't written to like, you know, uh, scholars or anything like that. This book was written to Christian people like you and I. Paul wrote it to inform us. He wrote it to encourage us. He wrote it to bless us. And last week in the verses that we looked at, we saw where Paul praised praised the Father for selecting us, the Son for saving us, and the Holy Spirit for sealing us. See, that'll preach. So next time you're called on to preach, if you want that outline, call me. I'll send it to you. That'll preach. Now tonight... um, Here's what Paul does. He prays for the church at Ephesus and he writes his prayer down. Now, I tell you, sometimes I do that myself. Sometimes I have a prayer book and I have prayer requests in my prayer book. And I don't tell you that make me sound like some kind of super spiritual guy. I've gotten to the point where I need to write everything down. (laughs) Can I get a witness? You know? But I have, a, I have a prayer book, and sometimes, as I'm praying, I just write my request down. There, there's something about it. You can say it, but also there's something about writing it that, you know, is an encouragement to you. And, and anyway, I'll, I'll do that. And Paul writes down his prayer. He says, this is what I'm praying for you. And then he writes his prayer down so that the church at Ephesus would know how he's praying for them. And that's good. Because you see, the Bible is still being written when he writes this. The Bible has the New Testament, the Old Testament obviously written, but the New Testament is still in process of being written. And so the church at Ephesus, a preacher can't stand up and say, turn to 1 Thessalonians. Because 1 Thessalonians hadn't been written yet. And so it's in the process. And, And so Paul is teaching, instructing, and He writes his prayer down so the church at Ephesus will know how he's praying for them and also to help them to study that prayer, to give instruction on how we should pray. And it's a beautiful prayer. Paul often writes down his prayers. This is how I'm praying for you, he says. And it's very instructive to study how Paul prayed for the different churches. And... And in the, the conclusion of the first chapter of, of the, the church, uh, this letter to Ephesus, Paul writes down his prayer. And we're going to look at two verses, verses uh, 15 and 16. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you 
making mention of you in my prayers. And so tonight what we're going to do is we begin to look at Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. It begins in verse 15, and it runs through the end of the chapter. Now, you know that Paul didn't divide his letter up into chapter and verse. The, the, the Bible was not divided into chapters and verses until about the fourth or fifth Christian century, done by some kind of monk initially somewhere. Um, and so, you know, he, but we, and there, but there's obviously breaks and certain turns and thoughts and that kind of thing. And so through the end of the chapter, we begin to look at Paul's prayer, how he prays for the church at Ephesus. Now, one of the things that Christians can and should do as we follow the Lord, of all of the things we can and should do as we follow the Lord, I believe perhaps the most important thing we can do in our Christian life is to be a person of prayer. A strong and consistent prayer life is so vitally important. Just think about it. Through prayer, we have the privilege of fellowshipping and interacting with the God of the universe who is our Heavenly Father. That is an awesome thought. And as we fellowship with Him, as we interact with Him, as we make our requests known unto Him, as we seek His will and guidance, as we interact with God, He blesses us and He feeds our soul. Now, Satan doesn't want you to pray. Your flesh doesn't want you to pray. The world doesn't want you to pray. That's why you have to, that's why you have to discipline yourself to have a consistent, ongoing prayer life. There's something always trying to crowd out your prayer life. And, and you got to be careful as a Christian not, let, not to let that become a habit. We need to be consistent in our prayers. You know, I think for me personally as a Christian, I never know if I give enough. I never know if I pray enough. But I know how important it is to give and to pray. <laughs> and, and so it's so vitally important that we become people of prayer. And listen, is there a right way to pray, a wrong way to pray? Listen, there's your way to pray. How do you learn how to pray? By praying. And you speak to God from your heart. And you speak to God with reverence and with you know respect. You make your request known unto Him. You speak to God and ask Him to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. God uses prayer to refine our character. To make us more like Christ. God uses prayer to promote our spiritual growth. God uses prayer to strengthen us for victorious Christian living. God uses prayer to protect us from temptation. I can tell you right now why David failed with Bathsheba. Because that rascal got to thinking one day, you know, I'm the king of Israel. I'm the sweet psalmist of Israel. I killed Goliath. I survived all of that attack from Saul. I got all these wives and these cucumber vines. Concubines. <laughs> when, I, when, I was, when I was at Blue Mountain College, this is true. When I was at Blue Mountain College, I was in a preaching class. And we had an African-American, young African-American man who was a tremendous preacher. taking better preacher than I will ever be taking the class. 
and bless his heart. He wouldn't call it concubine. He'd call it cucumber vine. You know, he had all these cucumber vines. And he got too big for his britches. So he stopped praying and stopped worshiping. And then when he went up on the rooftop and he saw Bathsheba, he was an easy target for temptation. You got to pray. Because prayer will strengthen you against temptation. Here's what I believe on the day of judgment. The day of judgment will show that those who have done the most to advance the kingdom of God and the causes of God in this world will be those who made prayer a priority in their life. And just think about it. Anybody can pray. You don't have to be talented to pray. You don't have to be able to preach to pray. You don't have to be able to sing to pray. You don't have to be young to pray. You don't have to be old to pray. Anybody can pray. Everybody can pray. And it's the most important thing we can do in our Christian life to help us to live the Christian life that God would have us to do. And so one of the things that I think is really instructive is to study the prayers that are recorded in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Now, for Paul, prayer was a supreme joy. And, you know, we, we have a lot of distractions to prayer. We have television, the Internet. We have, we have all these distractions to our, our prayer time and prayer life. So it's, it's very important to have a kind of a disciplined way of saying, I'm going to pray, and I need to pray. And I, I would encourage you to do that. I pray while I'm driving sometimes. Now, don't close my eyes. I'm smart enough not to do that. But, you know, sometimes when I'm just driving, I don't listen to the radio. I just, I talk to the Lord. I spend time with the Lord in prayer. I mean, you can be creative with your prayer life. But how important it is. For Paul, it was a supreme joy. At any given time, the state of our walk with the Lord, at any given moment in our life, the state of our walk with the Lord is indicated by the state of our prayer life. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If our prayers are real, strong, and consistent, then our Christian life is going to be real, strong, and consistent. Our Christian life mirrors our prayer life. But if our prayers are shallow, sporadic, mechanical, then that's how our walk with the Lord is going to be. Your Christian life mirrors your prayer life. And so you want to be a growing Christian. You want to be a strong Christian. So we have to pray. And, and pray. And write down your prayers. Make you a prayer list. We'll talk about that in a minute. One of the useful ways to grow and develop in your prayer life is to study the prayers of the Bible, especially the prayers of Paul. And so we're, we're going to begin to look at how Paul, and we're not going to take all night, but look at how Paul began to, to, to pray for the church at Ephesus. And his prayer abounds with spiritual truths. And I think we're going to be blessed by it. So first of all, Paul records his prayer for the church at Ephesus. He assures them that he prayed for them often. He said, I often pray for you. Now, Paul had a long prayer list. He prayed often for a lot of folks. And Paul said, when I think of you and pray for you, first of all, I thank God for you. Verse 15, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The church in Ephesus was on Paul's prayer list. Now, having a prayer list 
is a wonderful aid to prayer. As long as you don't let your prayers become perfunctory or mechanical, make you a prayer list and just follow the prayer list. You know, that's all right. So we say, well, what do I put on my prayer list? Well, in, in the Lord's Prayer, the, Lord gave, that, the Lord's Prayer basically is a prayer list. So as the Lord taught us to pray, what are some of the things that should be on our prayer list? Well, first of all, prayer always begins with worship. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, it's not like the little boy, his mama kept insisting that he pray every night before he goes, went to bed. And he, he, he figured out a way to do that and just jump into bed. He wrote down a prayer list, took a piece of gum, stuck the prayer list to his bedstead. When he went to bed, he'd hit one knee right quick and say, Dear Lord, there it is, and jump into bed. Okay? That's not how we do it. You know, but make you a prayer list. And prayer, prayer should always begin and it should always end with worship. Because before prayer is anything else, it's an act of worship. And so Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven. And then he closed that prayer with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Begin with worship, end with worship. Then you pray for God's kingdom. You pray for your church. You pray for the missionaries. Pray for revival. Pray for God's people. You pray for God's will to be done in your life. God's will to be done in your life and the big things and the little things and today things and tomorrow things and everyday things and eternal things, earthly things. May God's will be done in my life. Help me to know your will. Pray for your personal needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Your personal needs. It's okay to pray for stuff you need. It's okay to pray for stuff you want. He is our Heavenly Father. I used to, when I was a kid, I'd go to my daddy a lot of times and, and tell him I would want something, make a request of my earthly father. Dad, I want this. Now, a lot of times his answer was, you got to be kidding me, child. <laughs> you know? But he didn't mind me asking for want. It's okay to ask the Heavenly Father for wants. So, now, you know, we, we focus on our needs, but it's okay to ask him for wants too. And sometimes, you know, my dad would just be, he would, have, he would have a good heart and he'd give me something that I want. And sometimes God will give you something you want. Just as a tangible way to help you to understand how much he loves you. So you can pray for your personal needs and wants. Confession and repentance, forgive us our debts. As we forgive those who have, you know, are indebted to us. Spiritual warfare, Lord, today I know Satan's going to come after me. There's one thing you can know about every day that Satan's going to come after you. And he's going to try to get you to fall. He's going to try to get you to fail. He's going to try to get you entangled in stuff. Satan's going to come after you. So, Lord, you pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Stand with me in the hour of temptation, temptation that I may not sin against you. And there are other things you can put on your prayer list. You can pray for your family. Pray for the lost. We need to pray for the lost. We really do. People need the Lord. You've got people in your family who are lost. i got people in my family who are lost. I pray for them every day. And I've been praying for some of them for decades. But I still pray for them. Pray for the lost. Pray for the needy. Pray for guidance and direction. Fellow Christians, our nation, those in authority. You know, Paul... 
made mention of the Ephesians when he prayed. He, Paul had a prayer list. Then Paul said, take it, Paul said he was especially encouraged to pray for the, uh, for the Ephesians because he had heard about them. He heard about their faith and their commitment to the Lord Jesus and their love for one another and for all believers. Paul said, I, I, you know, I've heard of this about you and I thank God for this is true in your life. And I, I want to pray for this church, for this church. And that, that combination is found often in Paul's writings. Paul said, I have, there's two things that convinced Paul that a group was truly a Christian group. They had faith and commitment to the Lord Jesus and they loved one another. Those two go together. If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will produce in you a love for your fellow Christians. And so Paul said, I heard about you. I've heard about your church. He heard about the reputation of this church. That it was a strong congregation. And they were strong in their faith and commitment to Christ. Which showed up in their enduring persecution and their efforts to share the, the Lord Jesus. He heard about their faith and their love for one another. That's a good reputation to have. You know, churches have reputations. Sometimes churches can get bad reputations. I was serving in one church and nobody in the community liked the church. And that's hard to overcome because the church had a reputation, wrongly, I believe, reputation of, of being people who thought they were better than other people. What a horrible reputation to have <laughs> for a church. I tried my best to change that perception. But I knew the people and I knew that was not true. But that was the person. I ran into that all the time in that community when I would invite people to our church. Oh, no, oh, no, no, go to that church. Those folks think they're better than everybody else. And that wasn't true, but that was the perception. You know, churches have a reputation. The reputation you want your church to have is you want it to be a loving church where people love one another, people love the lost, and you want it to be a church that has faith, a strong faith, a committed faith, an uncompromising faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to change the perception of a church once it gets a certain perception. That's why we got to watch our fussing and fighting. And you don't want a reputation in the community where well, all they do down there at that church is fuss and fight. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't do that. You can't fall out and fuss and fight over little old things that don't mean a hill of beans to nobody in the stretch of eternity. You know, I've had to deal with that in, in my ministry. People wanting to fuss and fight over this, that, and the other. And I get in trouble a lot of times when I'm telling, when I will just very frankly tell them, well, that's stupid for you to get all upset about that. You think God cares? God cares if the colors of the, the wall of the colors are white or gray? Of the church sanctuary? Really? God cares? God cares about that? See, and usually it's not about that issue. Usually it's about, you know, this one wanting their way and this one wanting their way. And, and they recruit people to be with them. And this group of recruit people to be with them. Then you go to fussing and fighting. And it spills over into the community. Then you go out into the community and you knock on a door to invite people to the church. And they look at you like, are you crazy? 
You know, you telling me that God loves me and y'all can't even love one another and get along with one another and you want me to come to that church? I have that down where I work. All that fussing and fighting. Why would I want to go to a church where that's happening? Amen? Amen. I mean, that's true. So that's why we as Christians, we have our differences. As mature Christians, we settle our differences. Amen? And Christian love. That's what you do. See, here's the thing with Brother Chris. I've been in this a long time, you know, uh, for a long time now. And, and to be honest with you, I'm just through with that kind of thing. I'm just through with that kind of thing. And I want my church to grow for the glory of God. For the glory of God. And I don't care you know, about any kind of praise or any kind of attention. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Seriously, I don't care about that. I want, I want God to be honored and the church to grow. So the church at Ephesus, I, I'm hurrying. The church at Ephesus had a reputation. And I think Mercedes Baptist Church has got a good reputation. Amen. Yeah, y'all are a loving people, kind people. And uh, people love it. People respond to you. We're a, we're a church of faith and commitment. And so Paul had heard these two things about the church at Ephesus. And it convinced him, you know, that this was a good church and he was praying. He was praying for this church. And notice what he said. And he, he said something very, very interesting. He said, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. See, here, here's what some people think. And I've had people tell me this. Well, I, I've received Jesus as my Savior, but I haven't received Him as my Lord yet. Well, nowhere in the Bible does the Bible declare or ask you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Now, Jesus has declared the Savior, He's pronounced to be the Savior. He has declared, you know, that he's the savior of the world. But in every place in the New Testament where we're invited to give our life to Christ, it's always an invitation to receive Jesus as our Lord. The Lord of our life. In other words, if you're not willing to receive him as Lord, then you can't have him as savior. Jesus is not a buffet line. Where you'll say, well, I'll take this about Jesus and I'll take that about, but I'm not going to take that about Jesus. And we're saved by a person, Jesus. Jesus is both Lord and Savior. To receive Jesus, you have to receive him as both Lord and Savior. How many marriage ceremonies would continue if the husband said when it came time to his prospective wife during the ceremony, well, honey, I'll take you as, as my cook, my house cleaner, and my dishwasher, but I'm not ready to receive you as an equal partner and the only love of my life. I might do that later, but I can't do that right now. Do you think that marriage ceremony would continue? <laughs> no. And so when you receive Christ, you receive Him. And who is He? He's Lord and Savior. You, you can't say, well, I'm going to receive Him as Savior maybe later as Lord. No, you receive Him as the Lord of your life. You surrender who you are, all that you are, your todays, your tomorrows, everything you have and everything you are to Him and receive Him as the Lord of your life. Amen. And when you receive Him as Lord, you also receive Him as Savior. 
And, and so Paul said, you know, faith in the Lord Jesus. So there's, there's two marks of sal- genuine salvation that Paul includes in here. A true Christian has one who has faith in the Lord Jesus and one who loves other Christians. Love for the saints. And I ran into Jaybirds, and I say that in an affectionate way. I run into Jaybirds. They hadn't been in the, in the, they hadn't darkened the doors of the church in years. And I'll ask them if they're Christians. Oh, yeah. And I, I kind of enjoy it. You know, they say, yeah, I, I, I would say many years ago somewhere. And I said, well, and I'm, or I'm a member of this, this church or that church. I said, well, who's the pastor over there? And they go, well, uh, let's see. Brother so-and-so used to be there. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they're feeding you a line, you know, that they think you want to hear. Um, no. You know, they'll, they'll go to this club and they'll go to that club and they'll be involved in this and that and the other, but they won't darken the door of a church. If you love Jesus, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but if you're a Christian, I firmly believe you'll be involved in the life of a local church. Amen. You don't go to church to be a Christian. No. But because you are a Christian, you'll want to go and you'll want to be with other Christians. I look forward to Sundays and Wednesdays and Fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I look forward to that. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe. And may God bless you.